Hey, listen up. This is the Urban Vancouver Podcast. This is Dave Thorvald Olson, and I'm in Vancouver. You know, I'm not sure marine phytoplankton is important to man, but it is now, as you'll be comforted to know, available to man for the first time in history right here at the Wellness Fair at Canada Place. Looking around, there's all sorts of booths. I mean, the place is packed, right? And just looking around right in front of me, I see the Brotherhood of Humanity, some magic cloths, the Wellness Home Company, Gotcha Matcha. Schneider's, the meat packer, has Au Naturel, which are some, uh, I guess, vegetarian products that they make now. Well, you know, I like bikes a lot, eh? And when I was in Amsterdam, I'd always notice people flying on these big, heavy steel bikes with uh, babies balanced on the handlebars, no helmets, bags of flowers and groceries all over the place. I had never seen one quite like it until I came here. And here, and, and, and what's, Jorg, Jorg and Olaf? Is that what you said? It's, it's George and, o- and Olaf. All right, well, well, it's pretty close, eh? Yeah, very close, very close. <laughs> if, you were in, if you were in Amsterdam, you'd say Jorg, but in, in uh, Canada, we say George and Olaf. Which one are you? Uh, I, I'm Rob, but I, I, I would be the George. Right on, and uh, and uh, you and Olaf, you make these bikes, eh? We, we do make the bikes. Uh, we we can't say that we we can't take uh, recognition for the the design. You know, it's a classic Dutch uh, design piece. It's been around for over a hundred years. But um, so we build them partially in Holland, and then we finish them in Vancouver. Uh, but it's a Dutch classic, and what we've essentially done is took the Dutch classic and added some modern technology to it. So we uh, have taken the bike and added a three-speed and an eight-speed shifter because Vancouver's hilly, uh, so is San Francisco. So if you want to ride in style, but you've got hills to deal with, you need to put the gears on them. I love it, man, I love it. And are uh, they selling well for you? Yeah, it's, it's a good product. It's, uh, it's a fun thing to, to be involved in. They're selling fairly well in Vancouver. We've been selling a lot in Montreal and Toronto this year. We get a ton of inquiries from the States, uh, especially San Francisco and New York City area. Uh, so we're just launching into the U.S. this year uh, and through sales through our website. And uh, so it's it's niche market, but you know people that are into style and bikes, uh, especially a European quality product, they, they find us somehow. So yeah, excellent. And uh, you ride one yourself, of course, right? Yeah, I've got a few of these guys. Yeah, different versions of the uh, the men's bike and the unisex bike. Uh, it's got the swoop frame, so you yeah. can get on in a nice suit if you're going downtown to a meeting. So yeah, I've, we've got lots of bikes at home. Now, when you were a kid, did you used to go to secondhand stores and buy the old Schwins and take them home to your garage and take them all apart and uh, rebuild them and then put on some different mountain bike parts there and tweak that and yeah. change that? I, I've MacGyvered a few bikes <laughs> in, in my time. Yeah, I, I like the old rallies, the, the 40s and 50 oh, rallies, yeah, and yeah. I got a few old three-speeds. Uh, but I've always rode bikes and used to race bikes when I was young, so it's, uh, it's, it's been a long passion for me. Now, as an entrepreneur, um, dealing business from Canada, Yet a manufacturer in Amsterdam, shipping them to the States. What's been the biggest challenge from the entrepreneurial standpoint? Uh, logistics, for one. There's a gazillion things to coordinate. Obviously, if you're uh, sourcing a product from anywhere in the world, if it's Europe or Asia, uh, there's a thousand little details to coordinate. And then marketing. If we're, you know, we're a North American company. Uh, based in Vancouver, we're very small. But um, if you're launching a product in uh, anywhere from Calgary to to uh, Minnesota, you know, there's there's marketing things that need to be uh, unrolled and uh, or rolled out, and it's you know there's lots of lo- lots of logistics with that as well. So uh, the, probably the biggest challenge is that we're small. There's two of us, and we got big dreams, and we're trying to get the trying to change the look of cycling. You know, we want people to we want to see people in New York City riding to work in a suit on our bikes, and so we need to we need, we need to find out ways to, to tell them about us. So.
Absolutely, it makes total sense. I've I've been in 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 Netherlands, as mentioned, and also in Japan, where everyone's riding a bike. It seems ridiculous to do anything else. Mm -hmm. Now you have a store and a website. What are they? Our store. <laughs> Our store is at Sixth uh, and Camby in Vancouver, four nine three West Sixth. It's a little boutique that uh, carries the Dutch city bikes as well as a fashion line because we have a small little fashion line that that we carry as well because you got to look good on this bike. It's and a very stylish bike. It's a very stylish bike. And um, our website is www.georgeandolif.com. J-O-R-G-A-N-D-O-L-I-F.com. Yeah, see, I would have I would have thought O-L-A-F too on that. You yeah. know, so the spelling is very important. It's Olaf, O-L-I-F. But if you Google Dutch bicycle, you'll find us. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, and have a great afternoon here at Canada Place. Thanks, man. Indeed, in 1996, under these mighty sails of Canada Place, there was the Commercial Industrial Hemp Symposium, where the representative from the Canadian government announced to the people publicly for the first time that the Canadian government would indeed uh, provide regulations for the legal commercial uh, growing of industrial hemp. Since then, well, the industry certainly had a few false starts and a little bit of stumbling blocks, like any new industry that's trying to revolutionize the world. But it seems that it's starting to come into, uh, into the regular play here. Uh, this is the Living Harvest booth, and there's a variety of fine products here that they're making, and I'm here with Charles. Charles, how's it going today for you? Very well, thank you. It's, uh, it's a good show. It's, it's, it's a consumer event, so it's a little bit different. We get a chance to play with the public here instead of just being at a regular trade show with commercial people. Do you find at a lot of trade shows you spend a lot of your time educating people? That's one of the key things that uh, we find is important about these shows is you get a chance to really get some quality time with people and talk about the products and talk about health and talk about you know all the issues that we all come to see are important in this day and age. Well, I, I mentioned that the hemp industry is sort of maturing and my anecdotal evidence for that is when I was making, uh, when I was filming the symposium here in 1996, my dad, who's a rather conservative older man, he was like, oh my God, what are you doing? And now I went to visit and he's like, look at this, I'm drinking the hemp protein powder. My <laughs> dietician told me I should be drinking this. So he's all of a sudden all interested in what I'm doing. Have you found you know, the, the, the public's reaction to your products different as you've evolved as a company? One of the biggest challenges was the, the, the industrial hemp plant was put in the hard narcotic category, same as hard narcotics such as heroin or opium or crack cocaine, all that kind of stuff. And that was really the hardest thing, uh, against the, which is really insanity. It's like, but... So five years ago, when I first got involved in this industry, every, you know, nine out of ten people would ask, can you smoke this? Am I going to get high? <laughs> Which, of course, is ridiculous if you understand the basic chemistry and, and, and the nutrient <laughs> ingredients in the food. But now, it's best, basically, it's, it's reversed. It's one in ten people. There's so many people that have realized it's such an amazing food source and that we've been, you know, kind of been blindfolded a little bit about what's going out there and what should be really going on. And it's very exciting to see people's health starting to turn around and them starting to get, uh, spread the word about what is really going on in their bodies and what food really is. Now, what kind of products are you making now? Well, everything from, you know, traditional hemp seed oil and hemp seed nut. Uh, the, the byproduct, the first major byproduct is this cake, which we turn into a protein powder. And that's really what's turned the, this whole industry around and put it on its feet as a real viable industry because it was such a large byproduct that was being thrown away. It was just too costly to make oil and nut and these other products. But now it's balanced off the whole uh, platform of, of using the whole seed now basically and it's made into all sorts of other products from bars and protein shake blends to bases for any sort of muffins and pancake mixes and bread mixes and all sorts of it basically is it is the perfect protein source for humans and, and the essential fatty acids are unmatched and it's their perfect ratio and easily utilizable they have all the basic elements for raw materials for the body to make all of its other functions it's a perfect 
it really is the perfect nutritional or, and, and, and vitamin and mineral delivery system in the body. I know in the States there was the, the DEA and the Schedule, uh, Schedule 1 controlled substances that you mentioned. Um, and the Hemp Industries Association went to court and the DEA really tried to bleed the organization dry over the course of like six years of uh, lawsuits and, and really the argument that did it was the the poppy seeds on the on the bagel argument and, the, and that's something that the uh, the judges can relate to and they're like well that's just wrong if I can't have my poppy seeds on the bagel so it must be wrong that I can't have my hemp nut because uh, it's a it's somehow related to this controlled substance with that court ruling do you expect uh, have you been able to make some more forays into the US market well, since that decision a couple of years ago, the, the, basically the door was just wide open into the U.S. market. And it's been, uh, it's been, a, it's huge. I mean, it's it's obviously ten times the size of the Canadian marketplace, and it's been very well received, especially down the West Coast. And and of course, in the U.S., there there's there's no competition because the other hemp that's coming, hemp products that are coming in are coming from China with uh, dubious origins and, and uh, organic status. They were that there they were there was very little products coming in from China now other than fiber products. The the food side is basically people realize now that you have to treat this food with you know extreme you know a soft touch because it is a delicate food because it has is high in essential fatty acids and it's high in amino acids that can easily be damaged. But that's one of the, the most important things that the people who have gotten involved in the hemp industry have come to realize very shortly, and all the technologies we use are keeping these foods as close to nature as possible as close, and as highly viable as possible. So people are having way less issues with allergi allergic reactions and symptoms because it actually is the opposite. It's, it's helping clean up those issues that have, have been building our systems from all this undigestible and processed weird frankenfoods we've been eating. <laughs> Indeed. Now, your hemp seed that you're using, is it grown in Saskatchewan, Manitoba? Do you go out to the farms yourself? I do, personally. I, I, I had to, I mean, like anybody, you want to see exactly what's going on and learn about the, all the aspects of your company and your business and the things that you do. And uh, most of the, you know, the bread, the bread basket of Canada is where most of the hemp products are grown, especially Saskatchewan and Manitoba. Uh, but it's grown right across the country now. Now, these aren't... Uh 20-something-year-old dreadheads out in the field of weed growing the things. Are these, these are just regular family farmers, yeah? Well, when you have a farmer such as uh, one that we've just met in southern Alberta who was growing 4 million pounds of flaxseed a year and all of a sudden putting 8 pivots of, of hemp, which is equivalent to about 800 acres, which is going to grow about half a million pounds of seed, you know that there's something going on. And even though it's taken a few years for farmers to figure out how to grow this stuff again and how to work with it because they haven't done it for 50 years, right. But they're 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 the they're, they're the greatest inventors on the planet, and they can do anything with a haywire and and, and, a, <laughs> and a roll of duct tape. Exactly. <laughs> um, what's the big goal for Living Harvest the next uh, year, eighteen months out? Where do you see your company going? Uh, biggest thing I see is we're we've gone into distribution now, which is a big thing for us because we were just a direct sales company to stores. We've we're, we've grown into probably uh, double our stores from twelve hundred in North America to probably twenty five hundred. And I see the next market as being Asia. I see Japan as, as, the, as the, the next great uh, venture. Well, I'm continuing on my sample fest throughout this spacious Canada place, and, I'm, and I, found a, I found a cup of coffee. And, and, and really, that was supposed to be my first stop today. But uh, I got a little bit uh, lost and confused in here, but I finally found some fantastic fair trade uh, coffee. What's, uh, what's your brand of your coffee here? This is Level Ground Trading Coffee. We're based out of Victoria, B.C. in Saniston. We've been in business for eight years, and we have a direct trading relationship with our producers down in South America. What are some of the countries that you deal with? We have Colombia, Bolivia, and Peru. 
and we've just taken on Tanzanian coffee from South Africa. Unbelievable, and your company forms direct relationships with the farmers, eh? You're not going through a broker or something like that? Precisely. Our interest is in the, in the farmers and their families and their communities. So rather than going through brokerages, rather than trying to buy through houses, we form direct relationships and trade directly with them, giving them a sustainable income, not based on what the market price is doing, but we're always paying over and above what the market is paying for coffee traded on the world trade market. Well, your company's probably been in, long enough, uh, in, in business long enough now to really see the, the, uh, the effects of taking, helping a farmer, working with them for yeah, six to eight years and seeing the lifestyle improve. Would you see that to be the case? Exactly, precisely. Up until now, we've paid over now uh, $1 million in fair trade premiums back into the communities in, in South America. And so this enables the farmers to send their children to school, which we have set up foundations for schooling for children. We found that in rural Colombia especially, for young males, you either have an opportunity with education or paramilitaries. That, that's a lot of the case. And because the farmers are so underpaid, a lot of the times they have to actually work rather than go to school. Their families can barely, a lot of them, afford to keep food on the table. So this, based on merit, we're able to send children. Up until now, since 1997, when we opened up our doors, we've been able to send 205 children with scholarships to school. We've had some graduate university now, and some of them are actually becoming doctors, and veterinarians and such. So we've seen a drastic change in their lifestyles. And over the next 10 years, you'll see that drastic change trickle down to the villages and the communities. Those people have leadership skills and the practical skills like medicine, trade, economics, and things like that. It must make you feel pretty good as a, as a worker and a business person to be involved on a, with a good business like that rather than putting on, a, you know, putting on a face to go work for the man somewhere, eh? Precisely. It's, it's got a cause behind it, not just rather than putting money in back into the business, which, which there is a business and a business needs to make money. However, our interest is in the producers. We're in the regions where we get our products from. Consumers nowadays want to know more where their money's going, who's being affected by their purchases. More people are more conscious now. And so we're finding that a lot of people want to question that. And we're able to be transparent and we're an open company and our business practices are, are transparent to the marketplace. We want to be that way. Indeed, as we continue on under the mighty sails of the Canada Place, I've come across another hemp booth. This time, Manitoba Harvest. and They're making hemp foods and oils. How's it going? It's going very, very well. Boycott, you know, your booth has been packed the entire day. You're right here at the entrance. Everyone's pouring in, and they're right out through the door, and what are they asking you when they come in? Um, you know, asks a lot of questions, how hemp compares to flax, what hemp's good for, you know, how long hemp's been legal. People are really interested to learn all about hemp and what it offers. Now, how did you get involved in the hemp industry? Um, we lobbied the government in the early 1990s to legalize hemp in Canada, so we were the first company to set up operations and got them to successfully legalize hemp. We got 20 farmers involved that are shareholders in the company that grow the hemp seed, and we bought a facility that we make and package hemp seed oil, shelled hemp seed, hemp seed nut butter, and hemp protein powders, so four staple products. So you're able to take the right from the dirt right to the finished product onto the store shelves then with, that, with your own supervision? Definitely. We, we call it the seed to shelf. Commitment to quality from seed to shelf. That's what Manitoba Harvest offers. Yeah, we've been marketing in the U.S. for about five years and we went through the battle where we took the, the DEA to court with the Hemp Industry Association. We beat them after two and a half years. Our product is sold through all the major health food stores in the U.S. as well and it's good about 50% of our business is exported. And which are your most popular products? 
All four of our products sell really well. Our, our hemp seed oil and the shelled hemp seeds were our oldest products, so they have, uh, they're, they're very strong in the marketplace, but we also make the hemp seed nut butter, and, and our newest one is the hemp protein powder, which has been explosive in the sales. Are you looking towards new products in the next uh, few years? Do you have any crazy ideas? Uh, we do definitely have some crazy ideas. That are, big ideas. Yeah, we, have, we, have, we definitely have some big ideas, but uh, we, we've chosen to stick with the staple products. So, um, you know, it's, it's, there, there's some new ones in the development, but they're sort of under wraps until they come out. <laughs> the top secret information. Where do you see the hemp industry as a whole growing? Do you really think that it's got some legs under it now when we're... Yeah, I think, you know, because we're, we're hemp's position that it's a healthier uh, food option than flax or soy. I think that it can command a good part of that marketplace. There's a lot of room for growth and I think it's, it's happening quite quickly over the last couple of years. So I think we're going to see a, a, a huge amount of growth over the next four or five years. Yeah, you have a great little corner here with the, uh, with the juice people, the chocolate people, the mate people, and the hemp people, man. You're, uh, you're pretty much got all your staple food groups uh, covered right there, right? In, uh... Yeah, we call it the Power Foods Pavilion. Uh, mate, chocolate, acai, and hemp. It's, it's you know, they're all part of our lifestyle every day, so try to teach people about it. All right, well this thing is totally fascinating. It's the Omega Garden, it's a rotary garden. So what this looks like, it looks like a little mini Ferris wheel, but where the people would be sitting is some upside down uh, little baskets. So that means that the plant goods are pointed in towards the middle and the little square pots um, are pointing to the outside and somehow they look like they should all be falling out, but they're not. Um, do the wonders of root physics, I suppose. Then in the center of the Ferris wheel looking thing is a fluorescent lamp, you know, kind of one of those big long curved tube fl fluorescents. And I suppose that these plants gradually rotate around, or maybe they don't even have to because the light bulb is shining the light uh, equally all around. But there's some mechanism for rotating the thing, so it must have a purpose. But I tell you, this is uh, like an, uh, you can tell that whoever brewed up this plant had a lot of fun building it because the prototypes must have been a blast. Now, the reason that the thing rotates around, I suppose, is to give each of the rows of plants its turn in the little, uh, the fluid dish down the water dish down at the bottom this seems to be like a little kind of a continual drip system filling up a pan at the bottom and as the plants come and rotate around the roots uh, hang out there in the solution or the water or whatever it is there uh, it gives it time there to, for it to soak up its nutrients and then rotates on around and they have some pictures here of these things deployed in a much bigger scale where you could fill up a whole greenhouse full of these rotating things and you're taking advantage of every little square inch of space because of these things are running around in a, in a circle. So you're using up that vertical space um, as well. Fascinating. Well, I've managed to do the laps around the entire place, check out every booth and find every free sample that I can. And, uh, and, I, and I tried a little bit of shiatsu massage. There's some Thai massage as well, but there's quite a line and I'm not sure I'm up for that. The place is packed with people and they're coming in in throngs, but I'll tell you the exciting thing for me is more so than that people care about taking care of themselves because, you know, let's face it, their health isn't really my problem. <laughs> but really, the entrepreneurial experience here that's, and the entrepreneurial spirit, because not only are people coming up with new products and new ideas, but they're following through on those ideas through concept, through production, and then taking it out there to market. And I tell you, no matter what you're selling, that's a long, hard journey. I mean, to come up with an idea saying, well, what we're going to do is we're going to come up with a company that we're going to sell emu oil. So we need to get some emus, and we need to get to farm, and we need to figure out how to get the oil from the emus, which I don't know how to do. Um, but, there, but such thing exists because I see the booth right in front of me, emu oil. 
Uh, emus, by the way, are kind of like the big goofy bird, kind of like a, an ostrich, but it looks a little bit more like a, if the llama was a bird, it would be the emu. But anyway, that's exciting to me, seeing that entrepreneurial experience and seeing the whole mix of people here is pretty interesting too. So with that in mind, I encourage you to, well, take care of yourself because that's your problem. And uh, to do so, do it in a nice, uh, comfortable way. It doesn't have to be about dieting and making things a big hassle. It can be about uh, getting a massage or going to a spa or going out for a walk in the woods or eating good, healthy food, especially, especially if it's free and comes with a little toothpick in it. That's what I'm all about. That's right, you heard me. This was an Urban Vancouver podcast. Contents are copyright under the Creative Commons license by Dave Thorvald Olson, www.uncleweed.net.